It's going to tell us. Every time. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tell us. Uh-huh. <laughs> it would be really cool if I could set that to, to go on to start recording at a randomized time. That would be cool. Like we, could just, we could just casually like, talk. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then at some point, at some point, it's like recording in progress. And yeah, yeah it just like, jumps in. And then you have to also two, say that you are willing to stay being recorded. So <laughs> like two, two minutes and two minutes and 40 seconds into our conversation, recording just starts happening. <laughs> I remember the days of Zoom before Zoom was like popular before before the end of the world and ron and i were using zoom all the time and it was uh there was a lot less security we could say that mm-hmm. right so you could just hit record doesn't matter anyone could join your room password mm-hmm. no passwords that was introduced later on and now uh now there's a lot of layers you know yeah for about a week maybe less there was this option to rickroll a meeting randomly and um you would sign up i by the time i found out about it it was uh, they were already like this became too popular and zoom isn't allowing it to happen anymore (laughs) but you could sign up for it and then all of a sudden like uh, it would come in and i'm not sure if it would do the song or if it would just be like the rick rolling dance (laughs) but yeah you could bomb a meeting with a rick roll that's amazing <laughs> someone someone would would get offended by that now i really wanted to do it for one of the unlifted um oh man i think i think i was in level two at the time like one of our <laughs> weekly calls <laughs> so that would have been amazing that would have been true pattern interruption mm-hmm. <laughs> mark would have been like what the fuck is going on <laughs> He would have laughed. He would out, throw out the fart machine. Give me the ring <laughs> By the way, I, I downloaded a, I downloaded a fart machine app. So I have multiple <laughs> options depending on the, uh, the intensity of the, um, the story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. I just, uh, my, my mom is over today. She's hanging out with my son in the other room. And I just walked out there. She was on the floor with him and she was asking, you know, what book do you want to read today, Bodhi? So I said, I'll read this one. And I handed her a copy of the book, <laughs> Abracadabra. I love it. What's, what's so important about that book? What's so important about that book? Uh, are you asking me or are you asking Matt? <laughs> is, it, is, it that our, is it the fact that our guest today wrote it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I also, I, it, yeah, it's it's fun. It's easy to read. I love it. It teaches you a little bit. Matt doesn't appreciate my sarcasm sometimes, Chris. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the book is awesome, Kristen, and uh, I, our our conversation is very be- vague about the book at this point. <laughs> well, what book is it? Yeah. What, well, book, what book are we talking about? You must go buy it now. Well, well, hold on. If you're listening to this and you are uh, you don't know what we're talking about, just go to the previous episode we did with you with Kristen and, uh, and listen, listen to that. We talked, I remember back then you, things were still up in the air about when the book would be done and mm-hmm. released and everything. I, I, I think I remember you saying um, it was uh, you know, you're getting some of the graphics designed, the illustrator was working on things and, and that was uh, six, six, 
months ago, a little more than that, I imagine. A lot of things happened since then. <laughs> What's happened? What's happened? Tell us, uh, tell us about the um, leading up, leading up to the book release, which mm-hmm. re- finally got to release a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what what was going on leading up to that? Oh, a lot of things um, with the particularly the when I had that, the illustrator, I ended up going to a second person, um, needing to switch courses with illustrators, um, due to the, um, the things weren't matching up. So it felt a little like, um, the person that did end up illustrating, she at first had told me, no, I don't feel comfortable with this. And so she had introduced me to somebody else. We're like, okay, well, we'll go with this one. She was still going to be doing the graphic design and summer was happening. So a lot happened during the summer. Um, I was traveling and didn't think too hard about the illustrations, but I only got a few in during that time. And once fall hit, all of a sudden I realized I'm like, I only have a few pages of this. And it felt like we weren't quite meshing the way that I'm that was necessary to make it fun. Like to me, the whole point was this is fun. The message behind the book needs to have fun happening with it. And so I made the, I went back to my original um, person. I had asked like, are you sure (laughs) you don't want to illustrate? She's like, actually, I'm feeling like this is something I should be doing. So I switched courses and I went with her and (laughs) she was like, I want to get this done. I like deadlines. So once we started going, it was really fast process. Um, and there was a lot of fun and mm, everything. <laughs> yeah. So it all came together. Um, it flowed really well. And we, yeah, we decided since too, like this, this has worked really well. Um, she's done the graphic design for the logo for language ninjas. And now she's done the illustration. So it's we've decided to this will be fun to be a partnership on and create more because there are going to be more books so yes that's mm-hmm. awesome and uh c- congrats on the release congrats on Thanks. on actually getting it done and 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 having fun while doing it that's yeah it's, it's so cool to see um to see that come you know as from an idea and then come into fruition to what it is mm-hmm. what just give uh reader listeners uh quick update like when when was the book released what what's it called what's it <laughs> that is important i was wondering um, we were gonna get to that <laughs> what's it's, it called well i did say the name before you did yeah v- vaguely uh yeah so w- when was it released what's it called and what um what inspired you to write this specific story of the of you know what we know uh it's called abracadabra i know what to do it released believe it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Now I'm trying to remember. Um, <laughs> the ebook was came out a couple days before the paperback. So I believe that one became available on the 24th of November. Um, so yeah, it's been almost a month now that it's been out. And what was the third question? Vince, <laughs> what inspired you to, to write this specific story? Hmm. Yeah, the inspiration for this specific story goes back to when I was teaching. Um, I I was teaching five-year-olds, and I had just done procabulary course with Mark England, and was like, this 
language stuff is really, um, really great. It's really helped me with setting boundaries in my head, in my classroom. It helped the communication that was going on as well. And kids are really big on learning through praise and affirmations. So using affirmations, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I'd love to have a book on this. Mm. Um, And so I initially actually tried to pass it off on Mark England was like, hey, have you thought about writing a book for (laughs) vocabulary for kids? He was like, why don't you write it? And then like, (laughs) go from here. Sounds like him. (laughs) mm -hmm. And I I had tried to pass it off at first and be like, this isn't going to be mine. Um, So I did. I first wrote, I did it. You Um, did it. Yeah, I did. And at first I was writing like very basic translations. Like I can't dance to, I like dancing or, um, I'm too scared to, I, I am brave or I can be brave. So taking like the negative and flipping it to an affirmation and then it became more of a story. So I, yeah, I was writing the story. What happened was the character, she, um, basically, (laughs) so I was trying to figure out like, what, who do I want this to be about? What do I want it to be? And the name Olive came to mind. And once that happened, I got an image of a little girl and was starting to write the story and yeah, felt started to, to flow with what I wanted. So yeah. Does that, I think that yes, it does. Can I, um, I actually would love to read a one, one page, mm. um, that, that really it, this, this, it's like one, it's one sentence on a page that sums up a lot of, a lot of what I imagine we can expect in the future and what the mm-hmm. real, what really the message is. It's, um, it's, it reads olive was sad to leave all her friends behind and was also excited about the idea of having new adventures. As she packed up all her belongings, she imagined all the fun she would have with her friends in her new home. I love that that excerpt, um, mm-hmm. and people can read the rest of the book on their own. Um, buy it, go on Amazon, order it mm-hmm. now. Um, but that, that ex- excerpt, as I was reading that, um, I started to to imagine all of the, uh, the possibility. Um, and that's, you know, what I see the, like that part of the book was getting across is something, um, that the character Olive is dealing with is moving to a new town, to a new school. Um, and while you can be concerned about things, a lot, all of the language in there was, affirming and solid and because of that it draws the mind the attention toward positivity so we're we're starting to you know be able to um, influence uh, things in the positive direction let's say Mm -hmm. with our kids and I know my son's only three months old so reading this to him now is um it's fun for me mm-hmm. or for him. Um, what I imagine he gets right now at his age is the, you know, they can feel, they can sense our, our emotions. And sometimes even like our, where our minds are going and they can 
connect with that. And um, as you start to, you know, kids are getting older, I'm sure, you know, Ron read this to his, his youngest and, and was, uh, I'm sh- and she loved it. And reading these things and, and speaking in this way as a, as a parent, I, I can already feel the positive influence on my kids. And then obviously the book goes into, you know, the, the real story, the negations, and then the, you know, I, I'm mm-hmm. not going to give it away, but <laughs> it, it, everything is uh, is a happy ending. Let's say mm-hmm. was, were you, were you trying to, um, obviously we're telling a story and, um, uh, our hero Olive is going on this journey. Was there also an idea of like, okay, if I use this language and the the parents are reading that, that's really going to start to create this dialogue that um, the kids can start to understand and the parents can use as well. Was that in your mind at all in in some way? Yeah. um, Back to when I had the idea for the book. And I was like, I really want this to read with my class. Um, some of my favorite books I had been reading with my class, I usually was looking for a message of some kind around, um, calming our bodies, using our words, um, a certain way. And I was looking for like mindfulness or positive social, emotional learning messages. And so when I was writing this, I had some of those books in mind, being aware that I had been learning as much from these books that I was choosing to read to my class, if not more so than what they were learning, because what they're noticing is the pictures. And if the words catch them enough to get them to laugh or like, oh, what's going on? They may, they may hear what's going on in the story. Um, They may not. So yeah, knowing that me as the adult reader with the kids, I was learning lessons from this as well. That was something that was in my mind. Initially, I even was thinking like, if this is in classrooms, teachers have this to read to their kids. And I, those are people I had thought of. Um, and then as I got out of the classroom and was getting more focused on writing the book, I realized parents are going to have even more fun with this because mm-hmm. parents love reading with kids. Um, you, a lot of parents use that as connecting time and yeah, to have that, to have a message that can be, it is shared with the kids that the parents are picking up on. That's where that impact can expand. And as a teacher as well, I was teaching the kids affirmations in the classroom I wasn't teaching their parents what we were doing. So when they, what they picked up, they sometimes brought home and told their parents about, but there wasn't a lot of them knowing directly what we were working on. So with the book, this is something that can come into homes and parents and kids both get to learn from it. What were we talking about the other day, Ron, with Chase? It was something about um, how, when we were younger, like we were, learning things and really hearing things. Um, but you start to put the pieces together way later on. And what you just said brought, brought back this memory of when I was a kid and I would, um, you know, we did, we did like book reports and things like mm-hmm. that. And 
Oh, this is the topic that came up. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about book reports. Interesting. Um, but yeah, like reading, going through a book report and, and um, trying to dissect information out of this thing. And, and, you know, you're eight, 10, maybe 12 years old. And a lot of the information is at the time, it's just words and sounds and you're trying your best to create a story. Um, and then at some point I realized as an adult that, okay, wow, I can take this story. I just read and implement it and relate it. And I, and I wonder, um, you know, is there, is that something that, um, that we can instill much earlier on is that relatability to a story and, and how it can be present in your actual life versus just words on a page or pictures. Yeah. Um, I would say like actively asking questions through it. One thing that I loved about what Rachel did with the illustrations is she made all of the motions really big and really noticeable. Mm -hmm. And so with that, mm -hmm. that invites conversation as well. Like each page, oh, how, how do you think Olive's feeling right now? Or what emotion do you see there? Have you ever felt this way? Or is there a time when you, um, yeah, is there a time when you felt this way? Oh, being able to ask open-ended questions so that the kids are starting to piece together, like, oh, this is, I have had something like this. Um, even if for them, maybe they're not in school yet and haven't had anybody be, say anything mean to them or feel left out, uh, they can still look at Olive and be like, oh yeah, this, I can relate to this with asking open-ended questions and taking a look at the pictures and um, letting those speak as well as the words. And which is one thing I really loved about working with Rachel because she did really bring the words to life with her pictures. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that the question that you just asked, Matt, is something mm -hmm. that our race has been trying to do for as long as we've been able to write. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think, yeah. I, not, I, I not think, I know, <laughs> like storytelling is, it's, it, it, it is the way it's, it's a warning. It's the, it, like, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, let's, let's think on it in the, the, the classic fairy tales and fables, you mm. know, uh, how many of those were stories like to use fear tactics <laughs> to get kids to do the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> like, you give know, me an it, example. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, let's let's see one let's let's see one example because I'm curious. I, mean, I, I would like to dissect it and see. I, there's a lot. What, what is I'm it? thinking what? to like the Brothers Grimm stories, mm -hmm. like those. Yeah. Or even uh, even some of the some of the Disney movies that like mm -hmm. way before. Oh, that was that was Brothers Grimm. Yep. But that's what that's what's coming to mind when you say that. And I know there's you know there's stories that go back to well, like like Hansel Hansel. Yeah, Hansel and Gretel. Hansel and Gretel, man, like, like, 
like the, 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 origi- the, the original Red Hood. <laughs> the original thought process of that was kind of horrific. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, I know. To, to, to self talk acknowledge. Of- <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, in those stories, there were evil stepmothers or evil stepfathers. There was dying if you did anything wrong. Yeah. Uh huh. Getting mm-hmm. eaten by uh by people. Mm-hmm. I imagine um, when when those stories were originally conceived of, um, and and this is where I've, I've done some, like when I actually when I was taking music history classes, we learned about this because at one point in time um, we were able to start drawing and commun- and writing down and, and using drawings to communicate um, what was in our minds, and a lot of times people would use song to to remember stories so that they can share, um, they can share with other people. And a lot of times they were how to's, how to do something, how not to do something, uh, what to be afraid of, you know, warnings about things. And there was, there was music, beautiful music written for those specific purposes. And once at some point, you know, hieroglyphics came and these things were on the walls and that would tell a story. Um, that can be interpreted as sometimes as song and sometimes as, you know, just spoken word of it. But when these stories were conceived of, like there was something happening in person's life and um, by default, that makes it something relatable. And now how can we take that out of the, 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 the words on the page? And I, I love this idea because I've been so into reading and learning re- recently um, the idea of when I, when I read a book personally, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can pick up on how the author is thinking Mm -hmm. and even what is on their minds. And, and, and I love that you brought up that your illustrator put the emotion into, into Olive's face, because I I noticed that right away. Mm -hmm. Like you can really sense um, and pick up the facial expression of how this, this little girl is feeling and what's happening in her story. And that being said, Kristen, I'm really curious, how can you, how do you relate to this story on a personal Mm -hmm. level? Is it something that, that you had experience with specifically like these concepts, like the specific uh, storyline, or is it something you experienced as a kid? Where did that? That's a really, really Um. I didn't know I was going there. I just, it just happened. <laughs> well, and now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I'm thinking I have, <laughs> I have moved um, this where I'm living right now in Oregon in my adult life is the longest I've been in one place. So if we're looking at this, if we're thinking about it from that, <laughs> now that you've got me, um, <laughs> yeah, I have, I've moved often um, as an adult and had mm. figuring out like, how do you make relationships in a new city? So there's been some of that, some of that with the, what's going to happen. Um, where are we going to live? What did, what new adventure can we create while we're there? Mm. And I would say Oregon's been the the best creative of adventures, um, where we came out here and we're like, Oh, there's so much we can do here and finding new places to hike new waterfalls to go find all these things. Um, where did you come from, by the way? What, where, where did you move from when you moved to Oregon? 
Um, from Michigan, I had moved a few different places. I grew up in Michigan. Um, when I got married, moved to Tennessee, and then we went to Las Vegas for a little while and went back to Michigan. Um, and then Lance was going to school for, mm. for his undergrad. And then we moved to Oregon for his chiropractic school. So we'd been, been moving about. <laughs> were, were you, uh, in Michigan, were you in a, a city or were you in a, in a suburb area? A more rural I area? was in a small town, um, where I grew up. Uh, well, you, you both have kids now, so you may or may not have had experience with Gerber baby food or <laughs> like feelings about Gerber. <laughs> no, I guess not yet for you, huh? yeah. but, um, the origination of Gerber baby food was in the town I grew up in. Michigan. So they're big claim to fame, even though we're a tiny farm community. <laughs> um, yeah. And then I went to college and the in grand rapids michigan which is one of michigan's bigger cities so that was mm -hmm. my first experience away well high school was in a slightly bigger town but it, yeah it was one of my experiences out of the small town for the first time so yeah i i lived in i grew up in a small little farm country town mm. what was your what was your favorite part about being in a small farm country town mm. favorite part I would say you people people live nearby. Um, although the fun funny part about that is that even five minutes away is forever away in a small town. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, however, like it's once I was able to start driving, like my best friend's five minutes away. So get my get in the car, drive five minutes, and I'm at her house. Or I had another friend that was walking distance from my house. So small town bonus to that too, is we were allowed to run, run free. <laughs> my mom didn't really mind if we were out of the house running free because we are usually in our yard or the neighbor's yard, which was close by. And she could find us when she needed us really quickly. So we were allowed to roam and wander a lot when I was younger. So I'd say that like the smallness um, brought a more of a sense of community. Mm. So there was a safer feeling with it. Then once I went off to college, I was locking my car door all the time and I'd come home and my dad would leave mm. it unlocked and he'd be like, why are you locking it? Like, <laughs> why are you unlocking it? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The roaming and wandering as a kid, I heard you say that like, mm -hmm. and you got to do that as an adult, you seem to have moved around a lot. True. Um, so being, getting, getting to do that when you were younger, was that something that you were comfortable with? Like when you went to college and when you started moving around the country and now ending up in Oregon, like, were you comfortable already with leaving the house and getting to explore and, um, sort of, and make your own choices really? Uh, yes and no. Um, when you, <laughs> when you ask that question, like, oh, there was a part of me that was, um, and then there was a part of me too, that was very, for a long time, very insecure about a lot of things, um, with myself. So while I could go do something, go off somewhere, like in college, it was easy for me to make friends in the dorms and wander around, make friends there. But if you put me out somewhere in a house by myself, I'm not going to, I was 
I still won't <laughs> usually, but um, I'm not usually going to come in and try to make friends like outside of the house um, as much where in the dorms, when people were everywhere, I was like, oh, hey, you're my friend now. You're my friend now. I'm going to hang out with you. So a little bit of a mix of like, if I'm in a group, I'm going to chat and explore and have fun. If you leave me off by myself, I will stay by myself pretty easily. (laughs) Every now and again, I invite people in, but Mm. I also. Ron is not like that at all. No. (laughs) (laughs) Not one bit. Not one bit. He's the kind of guy that'll. uh, He's friends with everyone. (laughs) And he's listening. Are you listening to a voicemail right now? Is that what you just did, Ron? it, It started. It started playing. Yeah. I was trying to I was trying to look at the transcript real quick because I wasn't expecting a phone call. So, oh, <laughs> uh, is there something you got to take now? Because we'll, we'll, so. we're 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 happy to listen to your conversation. I don't think so. By the way, can you guys hear that the, the crying baby in the back? <laughs> <laughs> you tell your mom, "Hey, I'm recording a podcast," <laughs> and. uh yeah <laughs> and then the stress rises because she's like i gotta keep Bodhi quiet now quiet. she was she was reading him the book and i imagine she finished the book and now he's upset because he wants to hear it again it's that good exactly. <laughs> yeah bring it back <laughs> and I, I thought it was pretty funny that uh, that you asked that question, Matt, because that was one of the questions that was Which on one? my mind. The the one about like if 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 Kristen related to Olive's story or not, or like, and I was going from a different route than you were. Like you were more direct with it, and I was wondering, and if if it was something that she experienced one of the sets she had you know like did, did a did a, a child move to the area who seemed to be struggling and you got the inspiration to go that route from it um and obviously you know you you made it clear that you just it was more so just a uh someone that you imagined up mm-hmm. the character is purely from your imagination and the story has some relatability to it mm-hmm. um my curiosity has gotten me back to uh the illustrator mm-hmm. that's a very unique situation that she originally said no and then you came back around and asked again mm-hmm. and she said you know something's telling me that i need to do this mm-hmm. um one what was her reservation in the beginning and then two uh did you guys go any deeper into why she changed her mind yeah uh so the first part the i met her um i met her online last january i think and i reached out to her um i was like i was talking with her just wanted to say hi um she had gone on an enlisted tuesday night live with and her daughter had shown up there too and so i was reaching out and was like, Hey, that was really vulnerable. Like, congratulations. Say, um, and was chatting that way. It felt every now and again, I was like, Oh, I want to say hi to this person. So I would do that. Um, we started talking and at the time I had a little like six page version of my book that I had put with 
a friend made some abracadabra blocks and I asked him if he'd put this book with those blocks. Uh, I was also actively looking for somebody to make language ninjas on Instagram look somewhat nice um, because at the time all I had was a picture of a drawing I had made when the um, I first heard the term language ninjas <laughs> and I made a, I sketched up a picture and, um, I, so that was what the Instagram language ninjas page was. And people were starting to follow it, even though there was nothing there. So I was like, I want to make this a thing. So I had shared with her the little six page book to share with her daughter. And then I noticed she had another account and, I, um, like, Hey, are you a graphic designer? She said she was, um, I also saw she had something with like this cartoon dinosaur on there. It's, it's like, I was feeling drawn to ask her about it. And she ended up doing the graphic design for language ninjas and creating some of the things that I use. Most of the things I use for Instagram posts. And so we had been talking about the graphic design. And when it came to the book, I was like, I really like what you've done. Would you want to illustrate? And she hadn't illustrated before. So that was her reservation. Uh, with that, she did know somebody though that wanted to illustrate. So she's like, why don't I put you in touch with her? And so I kept Rachel at, in the loop with this because she was going to do the graphic design part of it. She was going to put the words on the page. She was going to bring together the illustrations and everything. So she was still there the whole time having the conversations with us. Um, and yeah, with the, the way the illustrations were going, there was, there was something in the back of my mind too, that was feeling like there wasn't quite a connection, um, between the pictures and the words. Plus there wasn't really a huge connection between me and the other illustrator, and Rachel and I, meanwhile, like we're still talking often. Um, we, we would, I did some coaching with her. I did some, um, practice coaching with her daughter because I was curious, like, how, how can you do this with younger kids, um, that aren't writing yet? And so we had still been how chatting. Her daughter? Six. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. so, so, so you did, you did story work with her? Some yes and no. <laughs> so okay. at that age, it was, it's like, they're not writing yet. There is, um, it's more chatting about the feelings. Like if there's anything that's coming up, like, how are you feeling? What's going on and creating a relationship because we hadn't met in person either. So I'm like, I don't even know how this will go over zoom. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when it came around to, bringing Rachel back for the graphic design to put the words on the page is when there was a disconnect that I felt was happening. And I had a few people telling me too, like the designs for language ninjas are really great. Like that would look amazing in a book. And I had to, he, I, I heard it in the back of my head a lot. I was feeling that in the back of my head. Cause I knew I wanted a long-term, like I have multiple books I want to write. And I'm currently not feeling that this illustrator is going to be in the long-term. This would be a one and done deal. And so when I came back to Rachel, I, um, I was going to making my decision on the other illustrator anyway, but I wanted to check with her too. It's like, if you want this, would you, it's there. And I'm fully aware that 
I'm choosing to end the illustration and you could still tell me no, but this, this is a choice I I'm going to be making no matter what. So she had had time to think about it and all of that as well. Like seeing the graphics going up on language ninjas and seeing how that can come together. And she began to, she told me she was feeling that she can, she was hesitant to do the illustrations because she hadn't before, but she's like, I actually feel like I could do this and I do want to give it a try. So, and she rocked it. Oh, she crushed it. (laughs) Uh It's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And we're already talking about book two and other things that we want to do. So, well, have you started Mm -hmm. writing yet? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was that was solid as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what so what was what was the true mission that you wanted to accomplish in Abracadabra? And then what is the mission of book number two? With Abracadabra, with that one, it's more an awareness on how our language um, can have an impact on how we feel and how we navigate through the world. And with the second book, and there will be more also. um, So I have three more I want to do. The kids are um, matching up with the language ninjas, the ones that are already ninjas. So Olive is actually one of the ninjas in the logo. that we're going to slowly start, I'm going to slowly start using them into the ninja world so that that um, gets explained. Since I had this book written before I had the idea for the language ninja part, Mm -hmm. and I still wanted to stick with the book. And in that, it started to come together with how I can do that and still introduce the ninja part. So next book is going to focus specifically on um, projections and reflections. So that, um, the little boy in the back of the, at the end of the story that Olive sits down and talks to the only other child that isn't in color or is in color in the book, he's the second, the character for the second book. So Mm. it's going to be about him. Mm -hmm. So we're slowly introducing the ninjas. I'm imagining, uh, a, a lot. I'm imagining a lot of things right now with this. And I remember we talked the first time we spoke about your ideas for your book writing and language ninjas. You, 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 you had the, the idea of a, a brand around everything mm-hmm. and, and all kinds of ways to get the information out there. And I'm imagining with this book and with the next book and a series of books, um, the, the and I'm, here's just an idea in my, in my head, uh, a guide for parents prompting questions to ask them, because you mm-hmm. said like the, like the best way we could help children understand is with open-ended questions. And, mm-hmm. and oftentimes I, I, I see with parents, especially younger parents or new parents, they're re- older parents, all parents. How do you talk to your kids? Like this is a, a really common thing that, that I see come up um, and the disconnection because generations are different. Ages are different. Like there's just different things in their lives. And there's always, there's, there's one way or one, like one relatable way to speak to people. And mm-hmm. it's with these open-ended questions. So I'm imagining like a parent's handbook or something for, for this, or 
um, like a index card game of things you can play with each other, games you can play, like one word games and mm. and such. Ooh, I like this. That's, that's a good idea. We already <laughs> now that Light you say bulb. that, <laughs> write it down. Funny you say that. <laughs> we have. Um, you can so hire in, me for this, so my brain yeah. can go everywhere. Sweet. <laughs> um, yeah, in January, I'm actually going to be going to Rachel's daughter's school in Kansas to read nice. the book. So she is giving um, the book to, I think, her daughter's teacher and then also the principal. And we were talking about, um, I kept thinking as a teacher, I'm like, oh, this would be, it'd be really cool to have a resource with it too, to explain because the language types are not common. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something you learn about, not something that you often hear about. So I have actually put together a resource that we're, um, putting the, we're beautifying it right now. <laughs> so once that happens, I'm going to put it up on my website to be downloaded for free as well so mm. and yeah as the ideas come i'd love to add more resources up there it's it seems like such a fun um fun thing i know mm. as a when when my wife was pregnant and even now three months in we were talking a lot about um you know the type of environment we want to create and you know, what, what kind of toys we want in the house and what kind of games we like to, we want to play with. And, uh, and what was really important for us is us being able to participate and us acting as a team, as a, as a unit, as a family, um, th from day one. And the more things that we can do together like that, that get us all thinking and learning and, and, and here, here's even more important being vulnerable with each other. I, uh, I, I don't, I can't remember a time in my youth where I was vulnerable with my parents. Negation acknowledged there. It's, it's really sad to say that. Um, and it or were your parents were vulnerable with you. Yeah. The True. book, the book that I just started reading this week is, uh, the story of, um, a, a professional jiu-jitsu fighter, professional MMA fighter, uh, who, whose dad is ill and his dad was an addict and, um, missed out, even though he was physically there, he was far from present. Mm -hmm. So, uh, his dad one day was like, I want you to tell me about your life. And, and this book is, the author getting completely vulnerable with his father and I'm, I'm literally halfway through it. And I only opened it two days ago. Like it's, wow. it's so powerful of a story. And for the and first like, time, I imagine, right. Being vulnerable. What's, what's the vulnerability. Yeah. You, you know, like, cause, cause the author says, you know, like my dad was there but there's parts of this that he just doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I, and, and he was completely okay with keeping that stuff to himself. But the way that he describes the interactions between him and his father, his father was just adamant about like, you're going to tell me the stuff. Like, this is what I want. This is like my dying wish. You're going to tell me now, you know? And, 
and it's just so powerful that uh that they recognize that the vulnerability was important you know and and matt like you said you don't remember getting vulnerable with your mom and dad and and i don't remember my mom ever getting vulnerable with me and the fun thing about this book is is uh it's very very relatable to me because mm. you know even though the author's father was physically there his entire life you know um a lot of what he's saying i connect with because my father didn't come into my life until i was 23 years old and even though he's been a part of my life now for 15 years our relationship is text message, send each other funny pictures. You know, it's, 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 it's surface level. And um, the, the prologue of the book had me, had me in tears and, and next week I'm going to go time with lad. And, and this is going to be, and he recently has been through some medical stuff and uh, his health could be a lot better. Well, he's sidelined from work. So this is going to be the first time that we get to hang out and he's going to be forced <laughs> to, to stay in one place. It's, it's not going to be short interactions this time. We're going to be able to actually have some time. And I, and I told him, I said, uh, I said, I, I want to hear some stories. I want to like, I want to sit down and I, I want to know, like, I want to know who you are. Um, I'm not sure if he is aware of this, but, um, his, his health is what inspired me to live a healthy lifestyle when, when I was 23. So 15 years ago, he had a heart attack and that was the catalyst that put me on an airplane to go meet my father. I said, I'm not. I'm not going, I'm getting, Um, I'm not going through my life, not knowing through, not knowing who my dad is, especially if he just had a a dance with death, like we're going to remedy this now. (laughs) So, um, and that's what, that was a huge part of what triggered me to take care of myself and, and you know, I wish, I wish that scare would have done the same for him and that's okay that it hasn't, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to tell him that, you know, even though for the first 23 years of my life, there wasn't much of a relationship the last 15 years, I'm very, very happy that he's been there. And a lot of who I am is because he's still here. Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you, Ron, you, 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 you melt my heart every time. <laughs> I'm, you, you, you talking about that. Um, I'm, I'm imagining you uh, getting to sit down with your dad, right? And you're, you're going down to Florida, so you can have all the kids and and your wife. Like your your family is going to be there. It's going to be really cool. And. Yeah. And you have all these new communication skills you can use and really learn and really learn how to go from surface level to like, 
deep. Look at the excitement on my face. I know yeah. how to ask questions. I was yeah. going to say, you know how to ask questions now. I know how to ask questions. <laughs> you know how to be curious. Exactly. There it is. Curiosity game. Yeah. It, it, it never fails. That's a beautiful thing to be able to, uh, one, share that, um, that connection with your dad, even though he he wasn't present for a good portion of your life. Like to know now that right now you're um, where you are, was it was partially very much inspired um, by, by him in a lot of ways. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. I, I want, I, I was the opposite of that. Grew up with my dad for the first 17 years of my life. And then, and then one day uh, my grandfather got sick and my dad started spending a lot of time with him. And then time turned into four months and four months turned into uh, 14 years um, after my grandfather passed away. Now I get to see my dad occasionally, like once a month, every other month or so. And I, uh, I've been trying lately, the past couple of years to reconnect with him. And, and I mean, we were really close for the first part of our life. It was very, um, so it was a really important relationship for me for sure and and it's interesting how that how things can shift and change over the years and that and now every time we do get together it's you know things things are still the the, the same in a lot of ways and i still we're, we're we're at that surface level as well now and for some reason that's where we've been for the last decade um and now like i'm doing my best to bring things out and start to learn and understand more, man. We, imagine, imagine that the, the possibilities to have known um, or have created these connections and had this vulnerability when we were really young, it's a, it's a nice thing. It feels good. There, have you ever heard of the book, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera? I've heard it. I've heard of it. Yeah. An, um, an, another book to add to the list. Here we go. Yeah. I'm still working through reading it, but um, she also has an Instagram page, a holistic psychologist, which focuses a lot on um, who we become as an adult based off of all those things we learned as a child. So she calls them childhood wounds, but, and, um, they, they could be like kids unintentionally get quote unquote wounded, um, from various things. Like it could be somebody looked at them a certain way and in their perception, maybe it was a scowl, even though it was to the adult, a look of like, what did you just say? And then maybe they even laughed afterward, but the kid, um, may have perceived it different. That could be like become one of those things where as an adult, that story is stuck in their head. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, the th- things that we get from our parents, um, which come before that, even to what they get from their parents and so mm-hmm. on. Um, the, the book talks about how to overcome those things that we learned in childhood as adults to, to do the work and be able to, rid ourselves, um, of 
of those childhood traumas by getting in touch with your inner child and learning how to tend to your inner child. So somewhat of without going into story work, like it does go along with how with when you're doing story work, you're going down to when, how early have you felt that? And a lot of times it goes back to childhood. Um, and in the book it's, yeah, it's going through like, if your parents were distant, this could very well be something that as an adult, you have picked up in order to learn how to cope as a child. If your parents were oversharers, well, now as an adult, you may have X, Y, and Z that you are trying to figure out. So it's very helpful to have that validation though, too, to be like, Oh, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I, I was just, uh, my mom is over watching my son hanging out and she was just telling a story before about, uh, how she used to mess around with her mom. Like she used Mm. to, she would tell her, she would like, you know, make a lot of jokes and, and like play uh, little tricks on her. And it was, and in her mind, in my mom's mind, it was, she was just having fun. And, but she said like, oh, she would always yell at me. She would, she would hate it when I do this. No one gets my humor. I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> and then she looked at me, she's like, you're exactly the same. You, you, you just yell at me when I, when I make these jokes, I'm like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting older, I, I, I started to listen to how, how she says certain things and completely um, unintentionally can put people in a really um, in a really different mindset and a different headspace because of the, the emotion that comes off um, in her facial expressions, body language, and in the way that she structures her sentences, like the specific words she uses. And, and while I, I understand now, knowing how to translate these things. Like one, it's not her fault that her facial expressions convey something different because we all learn emotions differently and, and how to convey them differently. And the, the word part, right now it's, it's okay. I could see how that might be funny. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone may consider this uh, a joke. <laughs> I I hear you trying to be sarcastic. Yes. <laughs> the tone that you're using, however, <laughs> d- d- does not compute. All right, good, good try. <laughs> uh, and and but but now we can, now I can laugh at that. You know, whereas growing up, this was this is what like you said, what caused those Mike those little. Uh, wounds right and mm-hmm. uh i remember was recently dr uh huberman on his podcast talking about trauma and that episode there. is amazing yeah and he defines trauma this is a neuro uh, neurologist right neuro, neuroscientist he defines trauma as these 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 events right these micro events mm-hmm. that could be interpreted differently and he basically explained the science, science. behind the uh, the story work and as when you when you understand that that definition of of what trauma actually is okay like you said Kristen validation mm-hmm. this is it's okay it's it's an okay thing and now you know like with my mom just going back to all the little traumatic traumatic events I put air quotes guys listening <laughs> Tra- yeah tra- traumatic like th- yes they were at the time and we can re reimagine these things mm-hmm. reimagine reinterpret and recreate like new possibilities 
it's, it's cool to change the story. I love it. Mm-hmm. Do you listen I, to that, Kristen? Do you listen to that podcast? I don't. What Andrew, podcast? A- Andrew Huberman. He's a, mm. he's a ophthalmologist and a neuroscientist from Stanford. Oh, really? Um, oh. The podcast is called The Huberman Lab. That's it. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm that interested. Specific. Yeah. That specific episode. Uh-huh. Great place to start. It, it <laughs> literally, it literally yeah. gave us science behind story work. Yeah. Like I'm like sitting there listening to it and I'm like, Oh my God, yeah, this is, this is how and why what we have learned how to do works for our clients mm-hmm. is amazing because that, that side of things, like the, the how side of things, like like really gets me excited. Like mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like when I, let's take uh, utilizing the breath, for example, when, when I started getting a scientific explanation of what happens when you, we slow our breathing down and we focus on it, I was so much more excited to like develop ways to practice it in my own life yes. and, to, and to encourage other people to do it and to explain to other people mm-hmm. why it's important, especially in like, and also to be able to correlate it into the physical sense of, hey, I know your heart rates are really freaking high right now. And if you focus for one second on what's going on with your nose and your mouth, you're going to mm-hmm. be able to calm that down and you're going to be able to get back to work on the on the, the workout that you're doing. And just so exciting and so cool to have a understanding outside of the personal feeling that I got to experience, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. because that that's proof in itself. You know, like if you go through a story work session, you're going to have an outcome that feels incredible. Mm -hmm. And, and then having an explanation of how it works upstairs in the brain. And like, that just made it even so much better. I found that 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 knowledge, um, it's super helpful too. And because a lot of people think, um, people can think analytically, um, or or they could think um, emotionally, and depending on how um, how we put things out into the world or present something to someone, it could totally land mm-hmm. with you. If I start talking about, uh, you know, the spirituality part and. Uh, the feelings, the emotions associated and the, the, the state of calm and, you know, talk about flow states and, uh, and talk about like affirmations and vision casting, like these apply to a, a population of people. Mm-hmm. And yet we know everyone can benefit. So the people who are more on the, they, they like data, they want the, the science, they need to have the technical aspect. Like that was, uh, that was really helpful. And I have a friend- nice. Um, she's a, she's a biology professor and she was going through some of her own trauma, uh, some fears that she had. And we were talking, we were just talking about it. So I started to dig a little bit and get her to write it down and talk. And, and it, it, it started to get really difficult for her to process because she's like, I don't like this. I don't like feelings. I don't like emotions. I like, I, you know, studies, uh, biology, things like that. And, um, and in the past, we talk about things like, uh, like genome sequences and that's what she's interested in. Mm-hmm. So I start explaining, well, when, when we apply this and, and connect it to the, uh, 
the, the breathing, right? Th- things change, right? Nervous system response changes. And um, because we're, we're using the, the breath with the language, now we're myelinating that and it's getting mm-hmm. imprinted in our memory. Um, and that's how the human electrical system essentially works. And, and it started to make sense. So we started, we backtracked and went directly to the breath and then started to add in the words and suddenly the emotions weren't changing, but the physical manifestation was mm-hmm. changing the posture, the, you know, chin started to go up a smile. Um, although it was hard for her to convey emotionally what she was feeling. Um, you can, you can sense the, the change and, um, and obviously, you know, things changed. Beautiful things. The, the science of this is amazing. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can change your genes as well. Like mm. learning how to rewire your, the way you act rewires your genes that we've been led to believe are handed down. Like, Oh, my dad has heart disease in the family. So therefore I have heart disease where maybe mm. it's the story oh. that you've been building up. And when we can rewire the brain, um, brain body connection, and we can change that change that story, but also Mm. change that genetic code. And that's, that's cool to me that rewiring how you breathe, how you think, how you feel can change, Mm -hmm. change your genes. I I recently read a book called uh, blueprint Mm -hmm. and this was, it's a a new concept around the the genome um, where previously it was, like you said, believed that what you got, what you were born with is what you got. And, and each of these genes will express itself at some point in your life. Um, and then this new theory that was introduced in the book, the blueprint talks about um, gene expression as a continuum. So for example, everybody has sp- certain genes. Um, and one that comes to mind is like for eye color, Right. When you're born, you have a gene that can essentially tell you what your eye color is going to be, but everyone has that gene. It's the same one. It expresses itself at, it, a little bit differently. Um, and then there, then there's other ones that are more associated with tendencies and habits. And the experiment that they did was really interesting because what they did is take twins mm-hmm. that were fostered and separated. Um, somehow they found twins fostered and separated um, people. And they, they grew up in entirely different homes, different environments, and different, uh, you know, had different lifestyles. And what they found is that both of them shared more similarities with each other than with their adoptive parents. Hmm. Right. So, so obviously there's a connection between the uh, what you, what you're born with and what you have now. Hmm. And when, as you start to, the, the difference, by the way, was, uh, was in their, um, their behavior, their, and their beliefs about their behavior more, uh, a lot of them had similar like issues or, um, tendencies, but their, how they perceive this and then how they actually put it out to the world was different. Hmm. So we can have, like you said, the ability to manipulate these things, knowing that everyone has like some level of every psychological disorder, <laughs> 
basically and that that's what what it really got to the point of like everyone has like these um everyone has a certain level of happiness and certain level of sadness that comes out at certain times and it's really it's really more complicated than we believed and that's that's the beauty of it and the fact that we can now go in using these little tools that we've picked up and change things like that like change how we react like you're not going to change your eye color yet <laughs> we, we haven't <laughs> figured that out um, but you might be able to change how you react to people mm-hmm. or um, if you know if you consider yourself a an anxious person you, you you'd definitely be able to change that about yourself mm-hmm. over time truth truth mm-hmm. i've done it <laughs> yeah how was mm-hmm. that transformation for you um mine was a, like a hit by a fire hose immersion um because i i did training camp for the soul when they were doing um in person five day six day retreats up in a mountain in Idlewild, California. So it was six days, however many days of fully sitting down and like looking at what you learned from mom and what you learned from dad and how that's playing out in your life. And we, we did Briar, we did um, release exercises. We did a combination of different things along with your sitting down, your feeling, your feelings. Um, what happened with me was, uh, the combination of all of that is I had a full body release with a question that I was asked involving around spanking, actually, like my dad, we, we used to get in trouble while my dad was at work for siblings. And then my mom also had a daycare in the home. So it'd be like, wait till dad gets home. So the anticipation's built up all day long. Mm. And then dad gets home. He most likely doesn't want to have to deal with us and whatever we did. So we'd get smacked pretty hard. Um, and then but then we move on with the the rest of the night, like nothing happened. And um, so I was asked, like, how do you feel after, how did you feel after dad spanked you? And um, I had said scared and Anat Perry, who does training camp for the soul, she's like, after he spanked you. And so I thought about the question and all of a sudden my eyes started twitching and my face right here started twitching by my mouth. And I'm like, my face is twitching. <laughs> Can you sit with it? I said, Yeah. Um, ended up laying on the ground and my body went into like full tremors, um, for a while. Like it took me a while to, every time I thought I was close to being done, my, I would still be twitching. Like I said, my eye was twitching. And if my eyes still twitching and I claim I'm done, I'm like, I'm calling myself out in my head. Like you got to keep letting this happen until that eye stops twitching. Um, so when, when my body finally like released everything that had been pent up for at that point, 36 years of my life, um, I looked over at a knot and I'm like, my hands are tingling. She's like, this is your first time. Like, that's, what's going to happen. And I was like, wait, only my hands are tingling. Like, this is usually a full body thing. And, um, so ever since then, it's been like, I can feel when the anxiety is coming up, like if I have coffee, I can feel like, Oh, I'm getting some days. It'll be like, I'm getting tight feeling. I can, um, feel this in my body, but I lived so much of my life tense before that, that I didn't know it was an anxiety until it was gone from my body. And now it's like, all right, I'm feeling tense. I need to breathe. What can I do? What do I need to do now to tend to myself? And that, that looks different Mm. quite often for me all the time, but I at least 
I know too. Sometimes it's, <clears throat> I'm going to ignore this and I'm going to do whatever else I was going to do for the day, which means a week, a month or so later, I'm going <laughs> to, it's going to hit me a lot harder than it did that first time. And then there's other times where I'm like, okay, I have the time I can tend to this. What mm. sounds good. What feels good. I like how you, it, it see, it sounds like you have a, um, you, you know, the triggers, you know, mm. the signs that like the first, um, symptoms of anxiety for you. And mm-hmm. you have a way to step in front of that and, and change it. Did you, did you figure that out pretty quickly? Like what it was that could calm you or get you to be in a different state? Was it something you practiced or tried different things? Is it, is it more around self-care? Like what is, what is the thing that helps you to um, decompress, de-stress? The biggest thing really came like we were just talking about with the breathing um, because I had been breathing up in my chest for my whole life. So when I, <laughs> when I start forever. to forever, right. Wait, wait, is that a bad thing? Yeah, it's I a, mean, it, it's useful it's in some situations. It's like, useful in some situations. Yeah. When like a, a good workout or when you need to run from a bear in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> but not when you're trying to have an intimate conversation with your partner mm, or very true or uh, stand in front of a classroom and teach. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's pretty bad then, <laughs> especially with a room full of kids when of kids. constantly they need something and you need like, if you're up here breathing in your chest and it's like, Hey, I need this thing. And then another kid goes, Hey, I need this thing. There's no time to stop and think when I started to realize like breathing <laughs> into my gut is calm things it was like time slowed down too. Cause I had, yes. I had that space to be like, all right, I know what you need all right. I heard what you need. I can talk with you first and come back to you, but mm, otherwise it it's like, gives respond, you that respond, option respond. to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I remember being a kid in, in like, let's say fourth grade. Right. And I, you know, I went to a, a school, a Catholic school where I only had one teacher for every subject except art and gym. Right, so my one, my one teacher taught everything. Um, and then there were other teachers for each grade. Cause it was a really small school. Um, and I remember like, you know, you'd get to know the other teachers and you'd, you'd look at them and I'm, this is, I'm nine years old. And I'm like, well, she's uptight. She's always tense. She's really nice. <laughs> right? And the, and the really nice one was like the art teacher who was smiling all the time and, and obviously just breathing slowly and having fun with what she did. And the other teachers were like, oh, I had this one in yeah, fourth grade. Um, I, I can, I can't remember his name. He, he, one day picked up a, picked up a chair and threw it at one of the students. Cause he got so pissed off. And uh, needless to say, he was after that week, he was out. Um, and I asked, did he lose his job? Or yeah, did he, you, he, he did. I, I, I'm not, yeah, we're not really sure he did. Um, he, he was having a lot of trouble. It seemed now looking back, I'm like, this guy definitely had some problems at home. Right. Definitely had some trauma that he had to work through. And, and it was, he was projecting that onto kids and like struggled dealing with stress. And I, and I imagine even this was, you know, 20 something years ago, I imagine now it's so similar, like Ron, you got kids in school, how you've seen the teachers, right. You've, you've had to talk to them. Yeah. What are they like? Um, the, so the last parent teacher conference I went to, um, my, my guy was, a thousand words a minute. Like <laughs> he's just talking like this. It was so fast. And it was just, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, okay. 
okay, so I'm going to have to make sure I'm in control of my breathing. Mm. <laughs> and, and cause if I'm going to ever be able to get a word in, I'm going to have to wait patiently. <laughs> De-escalate the situation. A bit. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely unique, man. Um, it's, we, we were, uh, the last episode that we recorded was with Chase Tolson and we had a fun conversation about education. Um, and you know, and I, I honestly, I have a, I have a lot of sympathy for, um, for people who are currently in the education field because, Mm -hmm. because when, when a lot of what they learned was created, the things that children are exposed to now did not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like it, it, I, I overhear the things on TikTok, and I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> you need to skip that one. Get out. Like, mm-hmm. but you, you know, they're not skipping those ones when we're not around, you know? And and then these kids are going to school. And like, I remember being in elementary school a little bit. And I remember, you know, cursing on the playground and, you know, talking mm. about, you know, talking about things that were uh, taboo and, and like going into middle school, we, you know, you, you had a buddy who, whose parents had a VHS tape of something that you shouldn't watch yet. And now now we've got eight, nine-year-olds with cell phones or iPads and, and even younger than that at times. Mm-hmm. And you know that they have access to all the free information that I have access to. Mm. And that's a lot of information that. And that's is, scary. That's <laughs> scary as a parent, as a parent. It, it can be, it can be, ex- it can be extremely, extremely damaging to a young individual you know um learn knowing what we know about the dopamine system right dude oh my it 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 can i i'm i'm curious i'm really curious to see how today's youth are gonna be in their 30s (laughs) (laughs) yeah when 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 life when bombs drop on life and responsibilities have happen well, I mean, look at, look at what some of the people in your generation, Matt, are like, yeah. you know, I know some, I know some 30 year olds that, that a couple years ago were like still talking to their parents about what toothbrush to buy. Like mm. independence like, was taken away. Yeah, It was totally taken away, you know, like some insane ideal happened where we need to protect our children from everything Mm. don't you Mm -hmm. climb on the monkey bars little timmy you might fall you know how many times i've fallen in my life like i wanted to become a professional bike rider i professionally fell down a lot Mm. like falling down is a part like a part (laughs) of learning proprioception like like yeah so what if you all right so yeah what if you taught your kids how to fall? <laughs> what what if and we taught how to get back up? <laughs> what if we teach our kids some somersaults and how to break fall and you know stuff like that? 
Like, oh man. So, so here's, so here's my idea. And we dove into this a little bit on the episode with Chase, the last, that, that one, uh, my idea for the school that I would love mm-hmm. to build in the next Ooh, 10 years. Yeah. I want to hear, cause I have ideas for schools too. Me, <laughs> you're in, we're going to, we're going to get the, get the band together. Um, yeah. So, well, I visualized this mountainside of Colorado, just like mm-hmm. beautiful, um, you know, evergreen trees and aspen trees uh, surrounding it with a view of the mountains and a nice big open uh, area to learn and play. But anyway, the, the curriculum, right? Mm-hmm. What the things that are really, really valuable for kids to learn at a, at a young age in their most impressionable years, like their developmental period, like two, three to, to like seven or eight, like where they're really starting to develop a lot of their behavioral traits that are going to stick for the rest of their life. Um, and then even like, you know, seven to eight to 15, like those ages, but the, the early years, what are the, what are the things that are really valuable to learn? And I see it as uh, communication skills and the vulnerability, the uh, critical thinking skills, how to process things and create your own thought around it. Mm-hmm. Um, like Ron said, the falling, getting back up. Yeah, the physical, actually, the, the, the physical, f- uh, physical aspect of everything. The, f- yeah. the mm-hmm. physical aspect, um, and and creating a, creating an individualized curriculum around each student, in a way that that can one empower that child because every child is different, right? Mm-hmm. I I very different from my classmates growing up, and uh, empower um, and. And, and inspire and give them opportunities to, to, to learn the things they want to learn, try the things they want and see what happens. I'm really curious. I'm really curious about what could happen if, if we, if we meet a, like the way I coach mm-hmm. a client, like meet them where they're at, meet a kid where they're at, given their lifestyle and everything around them. Like, okay, what is, and, and Hey, well there, you could even now get, get a kid, get their entire genome sequenced and, and get data on that. And I imagine Mm. in five, 10 years, you'll be able to learn a lot more about behavioral traits, possible um, afflictions later on in life. Like there's ways to tell through the genome if someone's going to have like an incurable disease when they're 70, Mm -hmm. there's ways to understand these things. Um, or get ahead of other psychological disorders if people are predisposed to to that condition, right? Um, but being able to meet the kid where they're at, provide a, a unique curriculum, um, obviously with common themes around it, but have a this similar to how we coach people, right? A group setting plus a one-on-one setting, um, a lot of room for socialization, a lot of room for exploration, things like that. And it's a, it's a dream, dream to, mm-hmm. to build this and it's going to happen. Mm. Def, it's Love definitely going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about it twice now. Have you written it down yet? True. Yeah. I, I'll show you. It's on my, uh, I guess I have a vision board. Nice. <laughs> it's not a board. It's a, it's a Google talk. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. After I did training camp and then learned <laughs> about vocabulary, I was like, Oh, schools like this, if we're teaching kids, these giving them these tools and like having one teacher that knows how to do this, 
okay. Having all your teachers and the parents, like anybody that this kid comes into contact with more or less. So the village around the children understanding, like how tending to your emotions, feeling them, um, speaking clearly and in an (laughs) affirmation, affirmative way, like how important that is. If we're doing that from infancy all the way up forever, basically, but, um, if they're learning the way they're learning in the archetype style, what can these kids learn that what, what things can get open that we don't even currently know could be unlocked because we've been told what not to do for so long. I'm curious. I want to see it. Mm. I imagine that in the future too, and, and this, this is actually, this is happening now and it's five, 10 years out of like really seeing significant change. The, the schooling system as we know it is bound to flip at some point or transform mm-hmm. or expand. And especially like I'm in New York city and the public school system here is uh, it's, it's interesting. There's mm-hmm. so many kids, there's not enough teachers. There's not mm-hmm. enough seats in the, in the building at this point in the buildings. And a lot of these schools are totally neglected because of the area that they're in, the funding that they get. Mm -hmm. And I heard, I heard, um, I forget who was talking about it. Someone was explaining a potential um, model, like public school model, Mm -hmm. where each school essentially gets to be their own like independent business. And Mm -hmm. they have to earn the students that they get. Um, so that means that funding would be different and they would, and they would get funded based on how many students they have. So they'd have to create systems and ways to attract students to, in order to get the funding to, to build out. So what you're going to, what you would end up seeing is some schools like merging with others, um, some schools failing, but really merging or moving. And then some schools that, that flourish because they're already implementing a lot of these new ideas. I'm curious to see if something like that is in the cards for the future, especially with how much, how many kids there are. That's the Hmm. thing. Yeah. I'm curious now that you say that too, about, have you heard of like, I think it's Dunbar's number where each person Mm -hmm. has the ability to influence 150 people above that, beyond that, you start forgetting their names or faces Mm -hmm. connections aren't as strong anymore. I'm curious if you were to make schools smaller, even because so many schools are over 200 plus 400, 500. Mm-hmm. If you were to make them um, where the max kids that could even be in the building, do, yeah, there's going to be more adults, but, um, than a, so that could influence, right? mm. but still 150 kids in the building with the adults, like if that too could make a big change mm. in how they learn so that because with the kids that's 150 kids to connect with them. and then every every adult every teacher mm-hmm. and faculty member would would get to know the student my i mean mm-hmm. my but my high school had 3000 students my my graduating class was like 900 or something those numbers are pretty close in new york it's it's a it's a dream it's a pipe dream to be able to do that like mm-hmm. with the system we have, the amount of people the, on that topic, they're like, so here, here's another idea, more of a web system where, um, you know, how similar to our corporate structure is run, like you have teams, but, but the, the teacher is actually being responsible for the success of their students. 
versus the students um, kind of being on their own. And this was, you know, in my high school, we had so much freedom. Uh, like if I wanted to show up, I could. Um, or if I wanted to just walk out the front door, I could. And I did very often. Hmm. And, and this was, it, 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 it comes down to, yeah, teachers, the, the, the faculty, not really understanding this, the individuals, um, looking at it as more of a, a big, like one whole unit, like my class, the classroom. And, uh, and that it's interesting. You brought up the like Dunbar's number because that could be a way to right, really create the, the culture around. And that's how, what we see in the, in the, the gym space, a lot of CrossFit gyms cap out at 150 members mm-hmm. because of this, because it's one owner or, or two owners that try to do everything. And you can only handle so much. Mm-hmm. That's why you start, you need to have systems in place to manage certain things. And, and eventually it has to be someone else's responsibility to, in order to grow. It becomes really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. We got, we bounced around so many different topics. Yeah. What, <laughs> what are you excited for now, Kristen? Um, I'm excited about continuing working on what's to come with languages in particular. Um, we're working on creating a journal to go along and then like book two and all the things that can come with that. So having somebody to create with as well. So that's what I'm most excited about right now. What do you envision as your as your impact on the world? That um, mm-hmm. is when I've had <laughs> some time to think about and um, help ultimately empowering kids through work, um, empowering the adults in their lives. So through the through the books, through the things with language ninjas, um, my, I understand, first of all, Instagram adults are on that. Hopefully children are not yet on Instagram. And so they're like focusing with that too, towards adults. But like we were saying at the beginning books, adults are the ones reading them. So having that impact on the adults, because it's so important that, the people that are in your in the kids' lives helping shape and influence them. Um, the more that they are in tune with themselves and what they need, that's going to trickle down to the kids. So my overall goal is to work with adults so that the kids and the next generations can get the benefit of what we're doing now. Um, so being able to spread that and so that kids don't have to be 36 and learning it for the first time. So specifically like adults, specifically parents, teachers. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I love it. Where, uh, where can we buy the book on Amazon? Um, that is currently the place that's selling it. Mm -hmm. We will We'll have more places in the future. <laughs> nice, like bookstores everywhere. Yeah. Your local, uh, 
your local Walgreens may have them. That would be Ooh, nice. Does Walgreens sell books? Yeah, of course. Oh. They, they sell coloring books and children's books. And oh, the, I didn't in the know school that. School section. <laughs> nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, places all all kinds of places like that sell. Cool. So the especially wait, like sim, like the the size and the style that you love. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Nice. <sighs> thanks, Kristen. <laughs> Just wanted Thank to get you. a good breath in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming back and and yeah, really look forward to to seeing the, the next one, the next book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna challenge you to this. Um, mm-hmm. Well, here, here I'll ask you the question first. When when do you anticipate that the next book being ready? Uh, the question is how long is a good amount of time to wait? I I'm thinking summer at the latest on next fall. I do have plans to um, take a writing course with her name's Laurel Erica. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she's um, it's called she worked word magic is what she um, her company is called. And she's really like really goes deep into the words and like the word morning and how we're hypnotized by that because morning is a synonym no homonym with mm. morning like grief mm-hmm. yeah. so um i want to take a workshop with her to mm. really dig into what ways i can also work with language beyond what i already know so mm. hell yes mm-hmm. i like that yeah so summer maybe fall mm-hmm. i <laughs> I'm going to plant this in your head. Could you do one every season? Oh, potentially. That would, that would put a lot on Rachel. <laughs> That's the bigger part. Well, <laughs> big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when you blow up, you can just pay her accordingly. Well, exactly. Boom. That is mission accomplished. That is it. <laughs> All right. Love it. Thank you, Kristen. And uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah.